What do you do when no one else is watching? What do you do that makes you happy for no reason at all? What are you obsessed with? I'm Leslie Arfin, and I'm a writer, but I'm also a dancer, a painter, a vapor, a dollhouse enthusiast, and basically just an overall hobbyist. My podcast, Filling the Void, is all about what other people are fanatically into. We talk about hobbies, even if you don't have one. Listen to Filling the Void on Tuesdays on the Erios Network. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So here we go with the Books of the Year uh, Q&A session. Uh, another Matt Free. We've only got one, Matt. We've got Matt Haig here. Uh, Matt Williams is busy with his horses. Still. Uh, never quite understand quite what's going on. When we were just talking about Hamilton, the musical, uh, and I was expressing my huge regard for Lin Manuel Miranda, who I think is a yes. genius. And you just have you just seen? Uh, yeah, quite recently, yes. And even um, splashed out to treat my parents. But obviously, being Hamilton, it's Are like they big hip hop fans. Your parents? More massive, massive hip hop. No, <laughs> no, not so, not so much hip hop fans. But I've got they're, they're theatre fans, and I think they'll get it. And I, yeah, the great, I mean, the, the great thing, it's a bit like the Harry Potter play, is that people hold their tickets like it's a thing of reverence. You know, it's like that's something that's cost a lot of money. It's like the price of a small <laughs> holiday and they've had it for a year. Yeah. And this is the yes, moment. And that atmosphere in the theatre is, yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. So the question and answer session then. Here we go with Matt Haig. He has two books out, The Truth, Pixie, Goes to School and Evie and the Animals. They're the two books. Uh, if you want to hear Matt talking about both those books, look for the other podcast because it's there. So question number one, the last book, Matt, that you really, really enjoyed? It's, uh, it's a very rare that this happens, but it's actually the last book I really, really enjoyed was the last book I read, which was a memoir by poet, author, broadcaster, Lem Sisse. Oh, I know Lem Sisse, yeah. And it's called My Name Is Why, and it's his story of his childhood as a black child in the hands of neglectful um, child services and um, foster homes, children's homes, various things. And it, what's what's fascinating about it is he's actually it reads like a thriller because he's actually trying to understand why. Um, this happened to him and who you know at the time he was trying to understand who exactly he was and it, it's interspersed with lots of documentation Lem is an amazing poet um, so even though it's prose it's got that sort of it's got the energy and dynamism of poetry and it's just a beautiful emotional a lot of depressing stuff in there but it, it ends up being quite an empowering nourishing read so, so it's Lem to say and the book is called my name is Y. Is that the letter Y or is that... The no, it is W-H-Y. Okay. Your favourite children's writer? Ah, I would say... Oh, it's the most boring thing in the world, isn't it, to say Roald Dahl? But I, w I would probably have to say, just for the sheer quantity of classics that I've loved, Roald Dahl. I mean, I love C.S. Lewis. I love S.E. Hinton as well. Um, A.A. Milne. But I'll go with Roald Dahl. Those stories are amazing. When you see, you know, when Steven Spielberg gets his hands on the story and you think, wow, they are truly amazing. And sometimes you need to see them get, being given completely different treatment. Yes. I'm a massive fan of Danny the Champion of the World. I think that's great. Chapter 2 
of Danny the Champion of the World is my peak Roald Dahl moment. That's where he talks about his father's eyes and smiling with his eyes and just because because you don't often associate Roald Dahl's stories necessarily with tenderness but he did have that capacity occasionally and when that broke through it was brilliant I also like the witches for the sheer darkness of it as well. Can I, okay this is a slightly left field follow up mm. question but as you brought up Roald Dahl but as someone who probably thinks about these things does the fact that he was a quite a vicious anti-Semite oh, trouble you uh, is it possible for you to park that and go that that's over here. I'm just judging it on the story, or is it irrelevant? Well, it's definitely not irrelevant. Um, I think these things. Obviously, it depends. I think if it's a living person and revelations come out, then obviously that's one thing. He was an unpleasant person with unpleasant views a lot of the time, and I read his biography which was quite a, fly a flattering biography but I still was thinking oh my goodness some of the things he did even ignoring anti-semitism which obviously you shouldn't do um so it's a, oh, I don't know like everyone else I grapple with that mm. I don't know I don't know but I do I do think it's it's different when it's an issue for someone who's had their career and they're no longer with us than someone who's still profiting directly from it but yeah it's an ongoing yeah, yeah, yeah. cultural no, I, debate. I heard Michael Rosen talk about it, and he was—he talked. I think he, I think the phrase was something like artistic autonomy or something like that. In as much as you you can judge the work of art on its own without yes. reference to the artist. I think, I think that was the yeah, idea. I mean, Nick Cave did that great thing about Morrissey, and I'm I'm sort of I'm sort of where Nick Cave is, and it does need to be. You 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 definitely don't need. You shouldn't use the work to forgive the person. But nor should you, you know, once the work's created in the, the context it was created, you know, it's a whole Caravaggio argument and, you know, or if we found out Shakespeare had murdered people or whatever. But I don't, I don't yeah, I genuinely don't know. But I think like most things, the more historical something is, the easier it is to come to terms yeah. with. The book you would most like to step inside of, if indeed there is one. Oh, that's a good question. It's about world creation, I suppose. Yes. Um... Well, walk around June for a little bit, you know, that'd be that'd be quite good. Or some some, some far out science fiction, um, yeah. Or oh, let's see. Now I'll, I'll say June because just just for that, just because I think I re I read June and watched the film of June at a very impressionable age, and. Nothing sort of sparked my imagination more in terms of world building and, yeah. How long do you give a book? or Do you always finish it? What's the... I'm a terribly unfaithful reader and I will read lots of books at the same time and I will also abandon books um, three paragraphs in, 20 pages in. I, I, I'm, I, I really feel there are too many books to finish bad books. We, we, we are never going to read all the good books. So why waste your time finishing a mediocre book? Okay. I heard someone say you should... Uh, I don't know why they came up with this formula. Start with 100 and substitute your age. And that's, that's what it should be. That's, I don't know why. In pages? Yeah, in pages. Okay, so for me that would be... Oh, I'm a little bit hungover, but that would be 60. Four pages. Okay, well, that's better that in mind next no, time. No, it wouldn't be. Uh, what am I? It'd be 56, I think. 
I'm a 44, so I don't... I'll don't. just read a few chapters, <laughs> see what happens. Um, what books stand out from your childhood? Uh, well, aside from Ralph Dahl, um, the, the very first book that I liked, and again, going back to Can We Separate a Person from a... It was a lot of Enid Blyton... Um, a lot of Noddy Goes to Market was apparently the first book which I, I, ju- I just demanded my... No, no, Noddy Goes to Market, yes, that was the first book. Um, but in terms of ones that I consciously loved when I got older and old enough to choose what I was reading, I would say A Bridge to, Ter- to Terabithia, a lot of American books, all the S.E. Hinton novels, so The Outsiders, Rumblefish, Tex, that was then, this is now. Um the whole all the Narnia books. And were you reading this to yourself? Were you, were you yeah, reading, reading all, did, were any read to you? Reading most of myself, yes. And obviously YA, as we know it now, young adult fiction wasn't really a genre. So I was reading adult books from a very young age. Um, for some reason, I think this was my sexual awakening, actually. I read Lace by Shirley Conrad. I don't really want to spend much time <laughs> on this. <laughs> That's not YA anyway. Uh, no, but because why, a, we've mentioned this, but YA is just a book with teenagers as the main characters, and I mean that's it. That's so. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so lace. Fine. <laughs> Best film adaptation that you have. Seen. Uh, I am going to go, and it, it wasn't that well received at the time. I'm going to go for The Outsiders, um, which was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, in 1983 or something, and it's based on Essie Hinton's novel, which she wrote uh, quite a few years previously. And I think the book is amazing, but I also think the film is amazing, and it does different things to what the book is doing. And it's not the most widely watched Francis Ford Coppola film. You must have seen it. Have you seen it? don't think I have, actually. Did you see Rumblefish over the black and white one? Yes, I think I did see that. Yes, well, Outsiders is interesting because it was sort of like first Brat Pack film before there was a Brat Pack so it, Tom Cruise has a tiny part in it you've got Emilio Estevez um, Matt Dillon all those sort of people but it's just, I remember it for just the way it was filmed and beautiful sunsets and it's about these sort of a tough gang of <sighs> greasers as they're called in Oklahoma in the 1960s and they kind of have poetic souls so they, they, they like Robert Graves' poetry. And stuff like that. Your kind of hooligan. My kind of hooligan. If you're going to carry a flick knife and a book of poetry in the <laughs> 1960s. Uh, your favourite autobiography, and you g- probably can't have Lem Sisse because you've already mentioned him. <sighs> mm. um, we could allow you a biography if you'd, if you'd rather. Yeah, OK. I really liked... Um, Jeanette Winterson's, why, what is it? I who was, it, why, who why? was here just a couple of weeks ago? Yes, I, I love Jeanette Winterson as a person and a writer. Um, what was it? Why, why be happy when you could Yeah, not, why, why when you can be happy? normal. Yes, that was great. But I always forget. The Have you read Frankenstein? No, I haven't. I've got it, but I'm, I'm going to. Well, my advice to you would be listen to the podcast, it, this, this very podcast with her on it, because she's a... It's like you're interviewing... A professor of uh, technology. I mean, she is immersed in the subject, and she's an, she's a genius. Yeah. And out of it, she's come up with this uh, with this amazing story. So listen to that, and yes. then you can read the book. Yes. So I'm plugging the podcast. 
yeah. which is the least so, you can do as you're appearing on it. And she's amazing. She's amazing. Like I've seen her live, and it is like it sounds silly saying you saw an author live, but with Jeanette, it's kind of it. She's almost like a rock star. Uh, when was the last time you used a public library? Um, I use the public library quite a lot in Brighton. Actually, we've got a very good library. I would say within the last two months, but for my children. That's pretty good. No, no, that's that's pretty good. Is there a hidden gem of a place where you do lots of your research or maybe you write or just somewhere that you like to go other than your attic? I am a very... Someone stomping past. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Coming to... Help me out with my answers. I'm a really unromantic writer in the sense that I, I tend to do most of my writing sitting down with a laptop on the sofa, um, doing my research on Wikipedia far too much. Um, Not on Twitter, I hope, again. But Matt, come off Twitter, come on. You need to stop looking at Twitter and get on writing your book. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Um, no, I, but having said that, when I'm stuck, as I am at the moment, I'm stuck um, with writing my new adult novel. I always get more inspiration. Walking, what? Wine. 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 Yes, yeah. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. I've fallen off the wagon a little bit too hard, but um, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to go back and be um, teetotal and focused on my novel. But um, yes, when you're, there's nothing less inspiring. As you probably know, than staring at a word document when you've when you're struggling on what to think of, you you need to put the laptop down and, and walk the dog, and that's what I do. Which book always cheers you up? Indeed, do you use books like that? Is there a book you go or a writer maybe you just think, oh, I'll feel better if I read that? Um, yeah, I use. But I'm a. Uh, I like having happy books on my bookshelf that I can actually um, pick up. I would say. Winnie the Pooh. I would also say Cosmos by Carl Sagan. Um, very different books, obviously, but they're both books that make... Is, is Cosmos the book that they used as the basis for Contact, yeah. the Jodie Well, Jody no, Foster. no, I think he actually did write a book called Contact. All right. uh, I, I might be wrong. Yeah, Cosmos, Cosmos was um, non-fiction, and I believe Contact was fiction. But uh, very similar in the sense that, you know, Carl Sagan essentially had faith that aliens were out there somewhere in the universe. So his his approach to science and physics was one of a nine-year-old trapped in a 50-something-year-old's body. Is that what you feel like? Yeah, isn't that what we all feel like, Simon, a little bit? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> You're turning the question back on me. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was getting a bit personal. Uh, which author, finally, should we follow on Twitter, if any, if any, yeah, none of us should be on Twitter, should be? I certainly shouldn't. I've, I've done 80,000 tweets. It's so ridiculous. Um, there are a lot of good authors. I don't, definitely don't think you should follow me. I, I want to unfollow myself, actually. At least mute me for a little time. But I would say I quite like Joanne Harris because she writes lots of writerly stuff and writes lots of writing tips. That's a British one. Um, David Baddiel is quite good. Well, he's David re- I mean, he's very good, actually. But, uh, but he has that comedian's approach to... Uh, trolls. He just treats them yes. as, as hecklers, and so he puts them down, and he's quite cool with that. You know, he's absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah, and he calls it out. Yeah, he's he's almost as active on there as I am. So he he always makes me feel better about my time wasting because I think, oh well, he's doing even more of it. 
this has been a, a Q&A session with Matt Haig, Evie and the Animals, and The Truth Pixie Goes to School, and other books that are out and about to be out. And you're going to have to wait for the adult novel because it sounds as though Matt is stuck. So <laughs> if you would like to contribute to us to send in a sentence, so... Uh, and then we'll pass these on. So if you would like to get in touch with us, and you can email booksoftheyear at yahoo.com, or you can tweet us at Books of the Year. If you could give us a sentence or a paragraph which would unlock Matt's uh, current situation, and then he can either use it or not use it. But I just feel as though we could chip in and help you out. Oh, thank you, Simon. Okay. Is, is there any kind of... Pre- are we, uh, uh, is yeah, it contemporary well, or...? I'll, I'll, I can give you the one sentence... Well, two-sentence uh, concept. It okay. is a library between life and death, where every book is a diff- different version of the protagonist's life if they'd have done something differently and they get a chance to glimpse each Okay, so, uh, but Matt is stuck at the moment. Yes, so if you, if you can give us a, a, a sentence based on that uh, pitch that he's given you, uh, email it and then we'll pass them on and then he can ignore them. Uh, or indeed use them for free. No, so, uh, yeah, so would, yeah. Don't send stuff that you want to own. No. So you're not going to do that. You are you're, you're <laughs> signing a release form here by, by taking well, part. I'll uh, just use it. Thank you very much. Matt Hake, thank you. Thanks, Simon. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.